I cannot even contain my excitement for today's episode. I recently got to meet one of the coolest couples I know. This is Angela Zadopek and Carson Blair. Angela is a former Miss Texas, the founder of Elevari Jewelry, an international reporter, and engaged to Carson Blair, who is a former Major League Baseball player. Imagine the cutest most amazing, beautiful couple you can possibly imagine. And you nailed it with Angela and Carson. Not only are they beautiful on the outside, you guys are going to be blown away by their incredible story. They both made the decision to wait for sex for marriage, despite being publicly ridiculed for it. They both stand firm in their decision and firm in their faith. And they have an incredible story to tell. And I'm so excited to share with both of them today. My first couple interview, I believe. I can't wait for you guys to hear this story. Here we go. Hi, my name is Ava. This is your Truth For Your 20s podcast with your host, Katie Bormer, my mom. Enjoy listening. My name is Katie Bormer, a former heartbroken and hungover sorority girl. After I stopped looking for love in all the wrong fraternity boys, God blessed me with a husband who shows Christ's love to me every single day. We are parents of two daughters and thousands of others nationwide, and my heart behind everything I do is to give you truths. The world is screaming at you a bunch of lies, and I don't want you to hear those loud voices. I want you to hear the true voices. Grab your earbuds, grab a chai tea, and let's talk about some truth for your 20s. Y'all, I'm so excited about this episode, but real quick, the review of the week is from Alexa and y'all, this is a really, really sweet review. She says, I followed Katie for quite some time. I appreciate her stories and her Instagram and her guidance, but this podcast, this podcast, my goodness, Katie has changed lives a must listen. Alexa, your words are like a chai tea latte to my soul, sweet friend. Thank you so much. And you, sweet listener, if you have listened and have not left a review yet, would you take three seconds, leave a review on iTunes, and I would love to share your words next week on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Angela and Carson. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Of course. I don't think I've ever had a couple on here, so you're oh. you're special. Thank you. We're we're honored. This is uh this is so fun to just be able to share our story and as we try to figure out when are we actually going to get married? I don't know. With all <laughs> Yeah, when was your wedding date? It was April 26th. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so in case you're listening to this later, we're in the middle of COVID-19 crisis craziness and everything has been canceled and rescheduled including your wedding holy cow how are you dealing with all of that contacting vendors and rescheduling and trying to match with family schedules and then um also kind of weighing the debate of okay do we just go get married or do we want to wait for everybody to be there do we want to coordinate all it again so it's been a ton of ton of questions but um but it's been it's been an enjoyable process i guess I, yeah, and I think it's been we've kind of been making a joke of like, hey, we both waited this long and we plan our fairy tale day and then like a pandemic hits. But I think there's a lesson in this that you know what, like life may not always go how you think. And 
managing those expectations and not getting stressed about how you think something should be and just planning for what our reality is, I think is a great lesson. Oh my goodness. Okay. So before I get into that, y'all just kind of a brief introduction of who you are. You have a pretty cool track record and and resume, so to speak. So tell us who you are. Okay. I'll go ahead and kick it off because I'll start off with a low bar. Um, So (laughs) so, um, I grew up in a small town in North Texas called Argyle and grew up in a small um, little Christian private school. My graduating class was probably 80 kids. It's in a small town. Everybody kind of has a little bit of land, a few horses here and there, and kind of a sleepy little country town where everybody kind of grows up, I guess, with a Christian mindset, and um, especially in a um, small private school. Um, I, w- I was really exposed to, I guess, the entire church environment at a very young age. And then um, out of high school, I signed with the Boston Red Sox and played with them for seven years in their organization, and then went to the Oakland A's for a year and a half, and then ended up finishing up with the White Sox and got to play a little bit in the Dominican. 11 years kind of right after high school for me were all in the whole professional baseball realm. So I, I kind of have a, I guess, a, a unique path in that sense that I basically went from high school to just jumping into, hey, you're on your own and you're with a bunch of athletes from all over the world. And here you go, figure it out. Nice. What about you, Angela? Yeah. So I am from Texas too, but I'm actually from the Houston area, which I don't know why, but in Texas, there's this big like rival Houston versus Dallas. So um, (laughs) I'm from the Woodlands area and I went to a really big high school. Carson went to a small little private school, but my I went to school with like 3,000 kids. So um, grew up like doing cheerleading and played basketball and did just cheer like competitive cheerleading growing up and went to UT at Austin for college. And I was in a sorority there. I was a Kappa, KKG. <laughs> um, and then after college, my passion has always been like film and theater and acting. And so God opened up some really interesting doors. Um, after college, I did this interesting, um, reality dating show, which I ended up winning, but Carson was not the bachelor in the end, but that is in a way how we met. So I guess I did find love from it, but, (laughs) um, ever since the reality show, like my testimony of waiting for marriage, kind of went public and these last few years uh it's God just opened up interesting doors from there where I went into reporting and hosting um and now working on some really fun projects just kind of going back to that story of the reality show my testimony going public so yeah working reporting and hosting right now and have a jewelry line that's incredible. So from a reality show and, I mean, pageant queen and all these incredible things. And then how do you? How did you guys meet? Ooh. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, Not all DMs are bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I guess, I don't even know what year this was. Had to have been around 2017, 16. Um but anyway, I I decided to make an Instagram um, because I just 
gotten called up to the big leagues. And I thought that was a thing that you do once you get called up. You kind of have to engage with fans and start building your own personal brand, all that stuff that they kind of tell you to do. So I, I made one and put up the four initial pictures and then started looking at everybody else's profiles and what they said and how people portrayed themselves on there. And I was just like, this is awful. This, this isn't for me. Just kind of ended ended my use right there. Literally, but, he has not posted a photo since like 2000. Yeah, I think it was 2015. <laughs> um, but anyway, I I saw a friend of mine either posted or liked or somehow put on their profile a video of Angela speaking out, um, just encouraging young women in their faith, encouraging them to be bold and valuing themselves and having the courage to wait for marriage. And I was like, whoa. I mean, I clicked on it because she's beautiful. And then I, after I listened to the message, I was like, whoa, I, I really need to talk to this girl. I don't, I don't know where she lives. I don't know who she is. She could be married for all I know. I don't know. I just want to have a conversation with her. So I, I then Googled how to send a DM so, <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't want my first post or message to another human being to be to somehow just go public because I don't know what I'm doing. So I, <laughs> yeah. I Googled how to do it to make sure nobody else would see it. Hollering at a chick going yeah. public. <laughs> this is awesome. And then, so I wrote a like very awkward professional sounding message to her and um, asked her asked her to go grab coffee to talk about some of her beliefs, I believe. So like any like nervous guy, I'd I was trying not to look, but I'd, I would check every afternoon to see if she responded to it. And after a week, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give myself a, a full week. And then when that week was up and she hadn't responded to it yet, I was like, man, Carson, that was dumb. Like, you're you're an idiot. Of course, she's not going to answer a, a random DM. And so I deleted it on my end so mm-hmm. I didn't have to look at it anymore. And I could just act like it didn't happen and move on and try to forget about it. And then fast forward mm-hmm. 18 months later, I see that I have a message from her. I'm like, whoa, hold on. I didn't know this this girl still existed. Like, what in the world? And so then clicked on it and I was like, whoa, okay, yeah, of course I remember who that is. Then we started a, a really awkward professional message exchange. And she happened to be living in New York at the time. And I was living in Dallas. She happened to have some meetings coming up with her jewelry manufacturer that were in Dallas. So she kind of scheduled those meetings around where we could get together and we ended up having having dinner together on a Friday night in October of 2019. No, 2019, 2018. 2018. Yeah, yeah, 2018. The uh, crazy thing is though, I didn't see it the DM for wait, how long was it? I think it was like 18 months. 18 months. Someone told me about this message folder if you don't follow each other. And so I opened it and it was like sent 18 months ago. And I, but I saw his picture and I was like, who is that? So it's hilarious. I'm always like, babe, I made you wait like 18 months. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean just God's timing totally because I, was laying in bed one night when I was living in New York and I was like, man, I really like, it's been fun up here, but I really miss like Texas and I've been gone for 10 years pretty much. And then I saw Carson's picture. And so it's just like crazy, the timing of it all. I love this. Okay, Carson, did you know who she was? Cause you're kind of like in the limelight at this point, renting the ready for love reality show, right? 
I think um, it was, yeah, it was kind of coming off all that, but that's how you saw it. It was, yeah, it was one of my baseball friends that somehow, I, I want to say it was on Facebook. I think he liked it, and so it showed up on his page if if I know my social media, which I don't. Uh, I think it was something like that, and the video didn't have to do with the show, but she mentioned in the video, I believe, she referenced the show because she was encouraging women about waiting, and I think the whole topic of waiting for marriage came up through the reality show. So I knew of it, but I didn't, I didn't know of her as some, some girl that was on a reality show. Okay. This is so cool. So (laughs) I want to find out how you got engaged in a minute, but first Angela, what was that like? You were in the limelight, so to speak on this reality show where you were open about waiting for marriage, which is awesome. Were you ridiculed for this? Were your people applauding it? What was the feedback like? Yeah. So if you watch The Bachelor, um, just a little inside scoop, like I was the bachelor on my show is actually the brother of JoJo. So if you watch The Bachelorette, it was JoJo's brother. And so what a small world because Carson grew up in the same area. As that family. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, this is so crazy. But um, yeah, going back to the show, you know, I think like we both grew up in Texas, right? Like, and it, around a ch- going to church every week and around people where waiting for marriage is just like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, that's your choice. But when I went to LA, it was kind of the first time that I was put in an area where not everyone thought the same about religion or faith. Maybe they don't even believe in God. Maybe they think it's ridiculous. And I remember one of the producers was like, wait, have you ever dated before? If you've never like had sex or I I don't get it. Like, do you go out with guys? They like look at you. It's like alien talk. Right. And I just, for that was the first time I remember, I remember that moment. I still visualize it in my head where it was like, okay, this is a moment where you either kind of say to yourself, no, this is what I believe and I'm not going to be ashamed or you're going to kind of just water the message down, right? Like I had that moment and it was, you know, embarrassing for like 0.5 seconds. I was like, oh my gosh. Then I thought, you know what? No, like this is what I believe. And I really, it was amazing just the support that moment happened when there was a live audience, when I was kind of questioned about my stance and, you know, I, it was kind of mixed to be honest, but there was overall people were like, wow, you know, we, we really respect that. That's your stance, but it was definitely weird to be in a situation, which I think we can all face this, right. Where maybe we grow up in a certain home or environment, but if you're put in a completely new environment, I think that's really moments for personal growth and also just awareness and ways that we can say like, I believe this because of this. It's not just kind of like, Oh, I believe this because this is what like I grew up in. So it was very interesting. And I think Carson's had experiences with his faith and wait, you know, talking about waiting in unique ways too, because he was around people that didn't grow up in the same environment as he did as well. So I think we both have kind of had those experiences. Yeah, Carson, I know that you you've also waited to marriage and you guys just have such a beautiful story. But tell us why you came to that decision and, you know, similar upbringing, um, pressures, all that kind of stuff that you faced. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of wide ranging. Um, so I'll start with I'll start with why 
why I think I started to kind of um, develop the the beliefs that I did. And and again, that brings me back to growing up in a little private Christian school where, of course, when you're in like fifth and sixth grade, that's probably, you know, when conversations about um, relationships and opposite sex start to happen. And I, I remember very vividly a gentleman coming to speak at our high school, or high school but um, I was in elementary or middle school at the time. And I remember him just being a, a very vibrant speaker, a very passionate guy. And he just straight up called out men. And he was like, you know what? He was like, I don't, I don't understand what our culture thinks of as masculinity. Now he's like, I don't, I don't understand why guys think that going out and conquering women is what makes you a man. And like, flexing your muscles on people is what makes you a man. He's like, I don't, I don't get it. He's like, you know what? Dogs run around and have sex with each other. Like that doesn't, that doesn't make you a man at all. It makes you an animal. If anything like that, that has nothing to do with what makes you human. And so I was like, Whoa, okay. That's, it kind of hit me and made me think like, okay, you know what? That's, that's right. And, um, like what does make us special? Like what makes being a man special? And, so as a, as a little kid, it kind of planted a seed in me. And then as I, as I got older and kind of got to put that into more context and kind of started thinking, okay, like, well, well, what does, what does make a man then? And so I kind of just probably from formulating it from a bunch of other people that are way smarter than I am and just decided that, you know what, I think one of the things that makes a man is um, refraining from causing harm to people when you're capable of it. And I think, I think that can take a lot of forms. Um, it can take physical form. Um, I think, I think it takes, I think it's a much more manly decision to refrain from physically hurting somebody than actually, you know, being that bully or being the, the bigger athlete that hits somebody and everybody's like literally afraid of. I don't think that makes anybody a man at all. I think if anything, that makes people insecure and cowardly, but but anyway, so it can take physical form or it can take emotional form or verbal form. So I kind of took that idea of refraining from causing harm into how I'd approach dating. And so actually, I don't believe I took a girl on more than three dates other than Angela. Um, so I never really had a girlfriend um, until <laughs> until I was like 28. Which I was like, wait, what? Are you crazy? behind the scenes like you've never had a girlfriend <laughs> but now that I know him I totally it totally makes sense but at first I thought that was bizarre yeah she totally thought I was lying on her first date and <laughs> I don't think she really I don't think she really believed what I was saying or who I was for about five months either yeah she, I was like are you a closet psycho I don't know hold on yeah I think <laughs> I think in our relationship I told her that I didn't have doubts about her within gosh like two months or less. And well, what happened is we're at new year's and I was like being cute at midnight. I was like, what's your resolution? He's like to be engaged. <gasps> and that was after two months. And I was like, wait to me. <laughs> and I was like, uh, uh-uh. I, and after like five months, he's like, are you waiting for me to do something crazy? And I was like, yes, like this is too good to be true here. But yeah, and I was like, babe, we can just sit here and just wait for the calendar to pass. But like nothing's going to change. So, 
This I, is I adorable. Y'all are the best. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, and so I guess I'll I'll fast forward to um, to getting into the um, professional baseball world. And uh, obviously that's kind of when I was kind of released into the wild, I guess you could say, from going from a tiny little private Christian school to going to a situation where you're around a bunch of ego-driven young guys that have been successful to this point in their life. And a lot of them were just given a ton of money. And so you do have kind of this like perfect concoction of just terrible egotistic behavior that's kind of unruly. And um, so that was kind of a a wake-up call, I guess, Um, being exposed to all that. And I think I was just fortunate enough to have a, a very strong background um, in my faith and kind of understand what I wanted long term. And I, so, yes, it was a getting exposed to it for the first time, but it really wasn't um, anything that was going to change my uh, opinions. And it, it actually kind of helped me develop, I guess, a, a reason for why I, I wanted to wait for marriage other than um, just biblical reasons, because when you're in an environment like that, when guys are, um, very arrogant and from all over the world and think that they're the answer to everything, um, nobody, if you present them an argument that's biblically based, nobody, nobody cares. It's automatically like shut off. They don't listen to it at all. But when you explain to them that, okay, yes, I came from a broken home. My parents were divorced in middle school and I wanted to do everything that I possibly could to experience everything with one woman. And uh, whether that's different aspects of dating, physical aspects, um, emotional commitments, those types of things. When I told them that I, I wanted to fully commit as much as I could to one person and wanted to have um, as strong a marriage as possible and then they're like, okay, you know, I, I kind of get that. I respect that. They go from, dude, you're weird to, okay, no, I, I respect that. Um, so it actually kind of made me formulate, I guess, better understanding of, of why I believed what I did and other angles of communicating it to people. So it was actually, actually probably helpful. And then I, I think another part of your question was like, were you ever ridiculed, whatever? I think one interesting story, this is probably something that not many people know, but um, when you go from the minor leagues and get called up to the big leagues, on your first road trip, when you go from the airport to the hotel, you're on team bus. And it's a tradition that basically you go through a rookie initiation. And the veterans call you up to the front of the bus, they give you the mic, and then either one, two, or a few of the veterans just drill you with questions and you have to answer embarrassing questions up at the front of the bus. You have to sing songs and tell jokes. This is like initiation to a fraternity. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I mean, it's, it's not tough, but they just try to make it fun and it's never really harmful to anybody. Anyway, of course, one of the first couple questions is, all right, tell us about your first experience having sex. Oh my God. I was like, oh, I was like, well, y'all are going to hate me for this. Said what you want to hear, but uh, I decided to wait for marriage. And they're like, ah, okay. Like, how long you been married? And I was like, uh, I'm single. And they're like, what? <laughs> Hold on. He said the and whole bus went nuts. 
And so the guy asking the questions goes, hold on, hold on. So you're telling me you're, you're a virgin? And I was just like, yeah. And everybody just stood up and everybody had drinks and everybody stood up and just started screaming, F you, F that. Started throwing stuff at me, anything that they had, like food or drinks, whatever. It was like, it was literally like the, the movie where you see somebody on stage at a nightclub and they're doing some kind of comedy routine and everybody boos them and throws drinks at them. Um, it was, it was literally like that on a bus. And so I, I had just gotten called up to join this team. And, um, that was kind of my first experience speaking in front of the team, but I don't know, it was expected. It wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. And it, I mean, it didn't, didn't hurt in any way. It was kind of like, okay, whatever. Everybody knows now. And this is cool. It's, it's over with. But what was cool was when I was walking all the way back to the back of the bus where the young guys have to sit. I sat down and one guy that was uh, seated like one seat back from me, he was like, hey man, he was like, I had to do the same thing like two years ago. He was like, I waited and um, he told me his story and um, it was it was really cool. Like nobody really stands up to say that out loud, but when I went went back and sat down, he was like, okay, you know what? I did the same thing. And then um, the next day when we're stretching before practice, one of the veterans that's, there was a really well-respected guy on the team, uh, came up to me and he was like, Hey man, he's like, I'm proud of you. I did the same thing. Wow. Uh, so it was cool. There were, there were actually like three guys that I knew of on, on that roster that had made that same decision to wait for marriage. And it's just, it's something that people don't speak out about much. Yeah. So if you were to ask me if 10% of guys in the MLB waited for marriage, I would have said absolutely not. Um, but on our team, it was. So it, it's not as as rare as people think. Um, so if you're out there like, oh my gosh, do, do those people exist? Like if a young girl sitting there going like, do guys like that exist? Well, there were three on my team of 30 people. So it's not that, it's not that uncommon as we might think. And those are the jewels. Those are, you know, the diamonds in the rough, you know, like sexually promiscuous people are a dime a dozen. I mean, like that sounds bad. I mean, like I was, I was that way too, you know, but, but it's when we save ourselves, it's more rare and it's more, more sacred, you know, and I think it's such a beautiful thing. And, um, when you were talking about, you know, that you hadn't dated before, it made me think how all the time I talk to young women about how we want to be seen. Every girl wants to be seen. And Carson, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I assume guys as well. But women want to be seen as their their guys one and only. Like I am the definition of beauty for you. I am like, I am your girl. And no one wants to be compared, you know, well, she's prettier than my ex or she's smarter or she's not as whatever. You don't want to be compared to a bunch of ex-lovers, but we somehow get it wrong in our brain and people think they have to have lots of experience, quote. You know, I always say when I do my talk to sororities, I say, no one wants to hear, hey, babe, I'm a sex expert. <laughs> like, gross. Like, there's, right. there's no prizes for that. But what is a million times more attractive is I've like gone through people throwing stuff at me on the bus. I've gone through temptation and I want all of me for all of you. Like that is like the ultimate in romance. And I cannot wait to see pictures of your wedding day. <laughs> oh yeah. It definitely is like such a blessing, I think. And when I, when he told me for the first time he was still virgin, I genuinely couldn't, I, you know, and we already said this, like, I didn't believe it, but like I wanted to wait for marriage, but I always told myself, well, it's okay if, 
the guy that I marry, like he doesn't have to be a virgin just cause like, that's just so hard to find. But it's such a gift that we both have saved that for each other. And it, it really is. I still have moments where I'm like, wow, I, I just can't believe it. Like it's awesome. But I think there's not one person I look back that I've dated or I'm sure for him and where we're like, man, I wish I would have slept with that person. Yeah. Like, it really is just so worth it to wait for the right person. Yeah. I always, another thing I always say is no one my age looks back and says, I wish I would have slept with more people. Like nobody says that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So totally. I, yeah. Fighting through a little bit of ridicule is far better than having a lot more sexual baggage. Yeah. And I think honestly, I think that stuff is really a compliment. Like, I, I don't yeah. think you should be ashamed of that at all. Making a decision that's um, that's a tougher decision to make because it's against the grain of society or it's not popular and but it's it's what you believe in. Um, I don't think we should ever be embarrassed by by taking taking the high road or maybe not even the high road, just sticking to what you believe. And even though it's tough, like you should be proud of that. Yeah. I think like as women, like you said, like we want to be valued and treasured. And I think it, you know, it, it really says something about your self-worth and like tells a guy, Hey, like I respect myself. So you need to respect me when you put up those boundaries. Like maybe sometimes it's scary to tell a guy like, Hey, I like you, but I don't want to, I don't want to go there. And then you, you doubt it in your head. Cause you're like, well, what if he doesn't like me? Or what if, you know, if I say that I'm scared, but really if it's like God, if it's God's guy for you and it is the right person, they're going to love that and respect it. So I, I encourage girls to say that it's almost like, you know, cheapening ours. I don't want to say that, but I mean, in a way it's like, you know, value yourself like, and, and really be like, so, proud to speak those words that put up those boundaries because it only can help you find the right person. Amen. A couple of years ago, I was at, I was at a Chick-fil-A and it was like late at night. There's there not a lot of people there. And I was, there's a table full of college girl freshmen and we were just, I had known them well. And we, I, you know, did a lot of mentoring and stuff and they were all talking about well, just sex and past relationships and hurts and going forward. And we were just kind of talking through relationships. And one of the girls was a virgin. And she was like, I think I just need to like go have sex and see what it's all about. And the other four girls at the table, like in unison, go, no. And I thought that was such an example because the other girls knew what they knew that sacred gift and they knew the pain that happens when they give that sacred gift away without that honor and respect and bounds of marriage. And and I've been that way too. And I just think that it was such an example of, no friend, we know the pain that's involved and our culture laughs it off and they say, oh, it's all fun and games. But that was an example of, sister, please guard yourself. Please guard your body because there's so, something so much more sacred waiting on the other side if you do. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to hear now how he proposed. Spill it all. Oh, man. The proposal. <laughs> In true guy form, he planned it like the day of just a few hours before, but he pulled it off. I'm not going to lie. It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So so I knew I wanted to propose for a while. Um, obviously, that wasn't a last minute decision like, oh, hey, this weekend. Yeah, I'm just going to go 
see if she wants to spend the rest of her life with me, you know? So I, I had wanted to for a long time and I just hadn't had the opportunity to sit down and talk with her dad about it. And Ooh, my um, dad. His blessing. Yeah. Cause that cookie. was, yeah, that was, that was, how'd that go? Um, it, it went well. He, my dad is super like Southern conservative. Like, is this Lord, the Lord's man for you? Like really hardcore. Yeah. So. Well, I'm sitting here listening to you and we have two daughters and I'm praying right now that their future guy is like you, Carson. So I hope that it was well received. Wow, that means a lot. I think that's probably the highest compliment you can give someone. Good. Wow. But yeah, I guess the conversation with Mike, um, it went went very well. He was, (laughs) it's funny, this is typical Texas thing. We're out in in his backyard actually and he was talking about shooting squirrels and then I (laughs) and i was like um he started to walk back inside and i was like man i can't just like i can't let this opportunity go to waste because we were it was just the two of us we we're separated from angela and everybody else in the house and so i just said hey hey mike do you mind if i if, I, if we talk for a second and he was like yeah what do you want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I told him that told him what I thought about Angela and told him about our relationship and that I wanted to take care of her for the rest of her life. And he, he just looked straight at me and he said, really? Why do you love her? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> OK. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was very direct and it was a great conversation. And it was tough, I guess, just to kind of get up the courage to to do that. And especially when I know that he had been in favor of long relationships uh, before, before getting engaged. Yeah. He, he wanted us to wait a long time when I first met Carson. Cause he, he, he's a big believer in dating a year, at least all, all four seasons. That's what my dad says, but we were engaged after 10 months. So it was a big deal for my dad to kind of change his mind and give his blessing. Wait, maybe he's getting his wish in your um, delayed wedding <laughs> with this quarantine. Yeah, yeah now we're getting together a year and a half. So, <laughs> yeah, we're putting in that time now. But anyway, so I, I did get the chance to speak with Mike, and um, Angela didn't know, so that was that was helpful for pulling off kind of a surprise proposal. Really, the the following weekend, so about six days later, that Angela actually was like, "Hey." Um, do you kind of want to detach this weekend and just go somewhere? So I was like, yeah, sure. Um, I'll, I'll look at some places. And so I looked up, um, where one of my best friends was playing at the time and they were playing out. Yeah. They're playing out in LA and I was like, Oh, awesome. Well, we could go see, go see him and his wife. And then I was like, well, Angela's best friend lives out in LA and Angela loves you know, outdoor beauty. And I was like, well, LA is beautiful. So I was like, you know what, this is kind of just turning into the perfect opportunity to propose. And so this was on a Thursday. And I remember Friday morning, I woke up and I wrote down a list of like six or eight things that I needed to get done before we could go on this trip. And number one was get the ring. I already I already had the diamond, but um, I didn't have it set or anything. So first thing I did that morning was call a jeweler and how to get the ring. Yeah. And fortunately, Angela was working with a a fine jeweler at the time uh, for her jewelry line. And 
So I was able to get a hold of him and he was like, yeah, man, I'll do anything for Angela. He was like, we'll have it ready by noon. So I was like, perfect. Okay, here we go. Now, now it's go time. And then, so it was just like book flights, um, for that day actually, and book hotels for that day. And the next day, like go get a haircut. Cause I know we're going to wow. take engagement pictures and all that kind of stuff. So it was just like rush to get everything done by noon that day. And then fly out at one and we go out to LA, get to get to meet my friend and his wife there. And I still had no idea what I was going to do to actually propose. I just knew I was wanting to do it on that Saturday. My plan was to go out with my buddy and kind of scout out a place where we were staying that night to actually pull off the proposal and find somewhere that was real pretty and um, secluded and romantic. So my buddy and I get up and we go out to a fake breakfast and we're planning on going to the hotel to scout something out and I get in the Uber and because of LA traffic, it says it's like an hour and a half away and it's like two or three miles. I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. I was like, I can't, it takes an hour and a half to drive out to the hotel, hour and a half back. And we look around for even like 30 minutes. Then I'm looking at leaving Angela by herself in LA for four hours and then I'm just going to say, hey, by the way, will you marry me? Um, so yeah. I was like, that's a terrible idea. And so we ended up just going to breakfast and then actually just calling the concierge at the hotel. And between uh, myself and my friend's wife, we're able to communicate with the concierge and kind of, kind of try to formulate a plan. But the problem was that the Emmys were going on that weekend. And so our entire hotel was booked up every single like restaurant, every single garden area, every private room, every suite in the whole hotel was booked up. So they had nothing there. The best they could offer, they said, was a a restaurant next door that they had a relationship with. And so I was like, man, I don't want to propose in the middle of a restaurant just just to do it. Um, yeah, I was was like, I wanted this to be memorable for Angela and like made, made this trip out here. I wanted it to be outside and I just wanted it to be outside and beautiful is, is what I wanted really. Cause I knew she really valued that. And so I I still had no clue what I was going to do by the time we checked into the hotel on, on the Saturday I was planning, planning on proposing fast forward till 3 PM on Saturday still have no clue what I'm doing. I'm thinking like, okay, I'm just going to push this off to another day and maybe find another trip or somewhere else to propose. And then the uh, concierge of the hotel texted me and said, Hey, we have a helicopter pad on top. Do you want to go check it out? So I was like, heck yeah, let's do it. And so found, found a way to escape the room and went down and checked it out. And I was like, man, this is awesome. This is perfect. Like you have the Hollywood Hills, you have the skyline of LA, you have um, just a beautiful scene up there. And then that was the first time that I picked up the phone and called uh, Angela's best friend and was like, hey, so I'm about to propose later today. Um, you want to come screaming. out? <laughs> and yeah, so immediately she just screamed, ah, oh my gosh, I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> and so she was super excited, obviously, and um, she was able to make it out and kind of help set up the helicopter pad up there and set up with flowers and a couple little chairs up there. And she set up her phone and um, put it in a flower bed that they had brought up there for just for this purpose. And um, so she was able to get it all on video and then take some pictures with us afterwards. And 
um, it turned out to be turned out to be a fun night. Yeah. Oh, I love it. We like walked on the rooftop and there was two chairs and roses and it was like purple outside because it was sunset. I really felt like I'm like, this is feels like a movie. It was magical. So <laughs> that's all that matters. That's awesome. I just, yeah. so one of my favorite things and, you know, just mentoring young women is seeing the results of a beautiful couple who loves the Lord. Like, it's just my favorite things of all favorite things. And so I'm just over here, like giddy with excitement. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things that we always say to each other is we like look at each other and we're like, oh my gosh, you're real. Like, <laughs> it. like this is God really does answer prayer. Like I literally wrote a list of like the guy that I prayed for, right? Even what he looked like. And it's just, it's crazy. Like God, I don't know. It's, it's amazing. And it's, I just want to encourage girls and guys, you know, if you're listening, like truly embrace your singleness to become your best self, because then when you do meet God's perfect match for you, like there's just nothing better really. Yeah. And I want to kind of mention something else is we both, uh, we both had doubts. So like I was 27, not about, not about each other, but when we were both single, right? Yeah. I was 27, 28, still hadn't had a girlfriend. I'm like, dang, like, is it time to just bail and like, just say, Hey, forget it. I'm just going to (laughs) go, I'm just going to go start dating people. Um, but (laughs) wasn't like everything was oh quick and easy and um everything's smooth it's like no we both were fairly mature and pretty i guess you can just say we were old um and both single and we we're just like you know what yeah and yeah and carson had never had a girlfriend but i i have had relationships so we have a very different past and i've gone through heartbreak and knowing just like feeling like what the heck like you and i think I learned so many lessons through that, through my twenties that I can now really appreciate what I have with Carson, but I feel like I get it. You know, when a girl goes through a breakup and you're, you just feel like, oh my gosh, like what just happened? Because it's like a death in your life. It's weird. Yeah, it is. Someone is so part of your life and then you're like, oh, never mind. And it's like, it's, it's really a crazy thing. But I think if you can just really stay true to yourself and listen to your gut. Like if you don't feel peace or something's not right, like don't ignore those flags. Like don't, it's, it's only going to compact the, and make the hurt more later when you really have to break it off. I don't think I told you guys this part, um, but my husband was a virgin before we got married and I was not. And so that's another reason I'm so passionate about this subject because my 19 year old self would have told you he's everything I'm I'm looking for. You know, he's waiting for marriage. He loves the Lord. He, he's everything, you know, the total package, tall, dark, and handsome, like all the things I wanted. But meanwhile, I was going to go dance on the bars and do questionable things on spring break and, you know, go home with who I wanted to. And I did not realize that those decisions would show up in my future. And I would meet this guy my dream guy. And I had to explain my past. Now, of course, God makes all things new. And Brian, you know, looks at me as my sin is far away. So the East is from the West. But, but had I have realized 
if I could talk to my 20 year old self, I just would have said he is worth waiting for and his timing is perfect. And I always say you can't be what you can't see. And that's why I love couples like you because I didn't know any couples that, that did wait and did have this incredible relationship. So I, I just hope that a lot of girls listen to this and can look, I know you're not perfect, but you're providing an example of what this can look like to to date in a godly way because God doesn't say don't have sex because he's mean. He does that because it's a gift and he knows how sacred and how precious this is. So I'm just so proud of you guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Means a lot. Um, Okay. So as we wrap up, can you talk to the girl, you know, there's guys listening as well, but mainly the girls who are listening and like, okay, well, this is cool. Um, You've given me some inspiration, but number one, I've already had sex or number two, I'm not so sure this whole virgin thing is what it's cracked up to be. What, What would you say to her? I've always like, cause I have gotten to share my testimony on waiting and I've always said, I've prefaced it with, this does not make me any better just because I've made this decision. And so I think shame needs to go out the window like immediately if you have have had sex or maybe you're like, oh, I made a mistake and like don't beat yourself up. You know, that is something I think we all need yeah. to learn. And it's just a it's a thing daily, right? That we have to renew our minds and realize that we follow God for a reason because we know that we're set free. And so just let go. Like we're not perfect and you can always start over. And so I, I just think specifics aside, just valuing yourself and really like loving yourself first and really valuing just who you are and, and being protective of just your heart. And that's a, that's a part of it is the physical aspect just really press into just thinking about that. And do you want to continue um, being physical? Like, is that really what's best for you? And I, so I, I just really encourage girls and guys to, to really love yourself, value, you know, your self-worth and not um, just give that away so easily and really just hold out for God's best. Yeah. I would just say, I would just tell everybody, guy or girl, to just be really forward looking. Just sit, do some time, take some time to sit down and kind of visualize that that relationship that you want. What kind of qualities um, you want in the relationship? What kind of qualities you want in that person? And then just kind of act and kind of give yourself, um, I guess, boundaries or guidelines of like, okay, what would help build that relationship, or how how can I act in a way that would um, make that relationship stronger or better? Or how do I, how do I get to that ideal uh, scenario that I'm picturing in my head? And um, I think that'll really help inform your decisions at the current time. Because um, I think we all always have this uh, battle against instant gratification versus delayed gratification. And um, we all we all can kind of say say what we want. But it's really tough to kind of to fight that instant gratification. But I think I think really understanding what you what you want and what you value down the road um, will really help that process in the in the immediate term. That is wise words. That's like with anything. So many people, you know, just focus on the here and now. But if you can take a step back and look a few years down the road, that will definitely clear your vision 100%. That's good. 
Okay, tell me what you're up to now. Tell me, um, Angela, about Elevari Jewelry and, and what you guys are up to now as a couple. Uh, well, and we're in the middle of a crisis quarantine, so you're probably locked indoors. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's so funny because we've been locked inside, but we're like so busy. It's definitely been a lot of shifting plans. But one of the things I've been busy with, like you said, I have a jewelry line. And that inspiration started with a moment when I was on that reality show. It was when I kind of was on stage and there was a live audience and they were like, uh, you're virgin. You're not, you're not a modern day woman. And I was like, Whoa, like that was a really big, just crazy moment for me. And I was walking off stage after that episode and a young girl broke through the crowd and she was like, thank you for standing up for your faith and waiting. And she asked where I got my ring. So I, I was like, grew up wearing a promise ring and it was like, God just gave me this vision for creating a jewelry line that could bring his truths to life through fashion. Um, so it's called Elevari, which means to elevate. And we take different symbols and verses from the Bible and kind of bring it to life through the designs. So I like to think of it as like, I think it's cool to have a tangible product that we can all wear that it's like, oh, hey, there's your Elevari ring. So um, it's been really fun just to to get that word, the word out. And if you haven't checked us out, check us out on elevarijewelry.com because I need some Elevari angels out there in the world. <laughs> yes, and it's beautiful stuff. I checked it out and then I got lost on the website, like staring because I'm like just captivated. It was so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, if you look at the design, it's like the Christian fish within the heart. And part of why I did that is really for it to be a conversation starter because when you see someone wearing a cross, you're not going to be like, oh, what does that mean? But I thought it was cool to bring that fish symbol to life, kind of detailed within a heart because you know, we're to be marked by love more than anything. So I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. So guys, I am so excited to partner with Angela, who you are listening to on today's podcast to tell you about her incredible jewelry line. Oh my goodness. When I heard about this line, I was like, Angela, can I please partner with you in this in any way? I'm all about women helping women. Not only is her jewelry like legit beautiful, it's affordable. It helps you showcase your faith, but it also gives back. With every purchase of Elevari, you are helping women get freed from domestic abuse. Designs are inspired by different symbols and verses from the Bible, aiming to bring the message of hope, truth, purpose in a beautiful, wearable way that also gives back. Y'all, I cannot think of anything I love more than a company and a jewelry line like this. Angela is graciously offering free shipping to all of our Truth For Your 20s listeners. So go to katiebulmer.life slash my favorite things or on the homepage, you'll see a link or elevarijewelry.com. Use promo code TRUTH to get free shipping on everything you find at Elevari Jewelry. I mean, like you said earlier, we're obviously in the middle of the what's the correct term? Shelter at home. Shelter. Yeah. Place. Um, He's so honestly been trading every day. He yeah. plays the stocks. <laughs> yeah. So I think the stock market right now is just the most fascinating expression of human nature that there exists. So yeah, um, I've, I've been, I guess, diving into learning. Um, we'll, we'll frame it that way, but it, it's yeah. been, it's been fun. That's awesome. All right. So what books, podcasts, anything that you'd recommend to our friends who might be listening? 
Well, my girl Kate has Heart of Dating, which I know you know, Kate. Great podcast about real life topics. Yeah, and we'll link her episode um, on this one as well. It was a really good one. Yeah. So we did this series together um, when we were dating by Matt Chandler, who is at the Village Church here in Texas, but it's called The Mingling of Souls. Yeah. This incredible series to really understand like sex, marriage, relationships, love, like our roles and I don't know, just healthy relationships. Um, so mingling of souls, I would totally watch or listen to. That's such a book. It's so good. Oh, great. Yeah, I would definitely second um mingling of souls. I think Knowing each other's Enneagram has been extremely helpful. Ooh, yes. Dating perspective. We are, we're about to start the Enneagram, that relationship book. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a seven and he's a five. Okay. <laughs> so nice. it's been fun. Yeah. Outside of the dating world though, um, you mentioned podcasts. So I, I'd have to mention my favorite podcast, which is Tim Ferriss show. And I guess some of the people that I enjoy the most that are that I just think are wise people. I think I think Naval Ravikant's incredible. Um, I think Josh Waitzkin's incredible. Graham Duncan's incredible. Um, Nassim Taleb is extremely interesting. And especially looking at this crisis going on right now, he's a he's an interesting guy to dive up to dive into and his studies on probability if you're interested in that kind of thing. Interesting. There's the five coming out in me. Total nerd. Yeah, yeah. Five. I was like, I have not heard of this. That's awesome. Okay. As you know, this is called the Truth for Your 20s podcast. So both of you guys, if you could have coffee with your 20-year-old self and you can answer separately, what would you say? Ooh, um, yeah, my first reaction was super shallow just because when I look at myself when I was 20 years old, um, I was in my second year of pro ball. And uh, when I look back at like the biggest mistakes I made, I just the number one blatantly obvious mistake is that I focused on the wrong thing when it came to hard work. Like all I wanted to do was work hard because I thought that's how you got better. And the way I did it, which was weightlifting, actually just made me a worse athlete. And I would have said, hey, take all that physical effort and just put it into understanding yourself, understanding your emotions and how you respond and stretch. Get out of the weight room. Do some yoga. Yes, exactly. That would have made me such a better player than um, lifting weights did. Interesting. No, I think that's a good answer. I think for me, if I go back to, wow, Angela when she was 20, I think I was in a sorority. So I feel like I, I understand like how you can, you're almost like in a bubble, right? Like you're so consumed with like the girls around you and the parties and college and it just all seems like the most important thing in the world. And I think that really like, I mean, I hate to sound like this, but I only talked to a few people now that I went to college with and really like not letting that just be all consuming and, and really obviously embrace that season of your life, but don't let it just completely make you feel like you have to do certain things just because your, you know, of the influence or pressures of college. Like, don't lose who you are. Stay, stay with who you are and be proud of that. And also just like as as women, I think as Christian women, one thing I've I would also say is 
just working on being a woman of excellence every day and everything that you do. And I think that's not only dating, but like how we eat and when we, we feel our best and we make great decisions when we feel good and we're taking care of our bodies. And so I think prioritizing that as well is really important. Drop that mic. That is so good. Boom. <laughs> you guys, I'm quite confident everyone is going to love this episode. Thank you for being here and just sharing your heart and being just an example of what it looks like to date in an amazing way. I'm just so thankful for you guys. Oh, thanks, Katie. Yeah, thanks for having us. And thank you for what you're doing, sharing your message. Yeah. And if anyone has any questions, I'm on Instagram. Carson's not. But feel free to reach out to me. I love just... I get it. Like I've reached out to people when I was younger and I still reach out to people now that, you know, we all need community. So yeah. Tell them your Instagram handle. Yes. It's at Angela Zatopek. Z-A-T-O-P-E-K. It's phonetic. Easy to spell. Yeah. Yay. Thanks guys. You rock. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. (laughs) Hey. If you made it to the end of this podcast, that means we spent like 30 or 45 minutes together. That basically means we're best friends. And best friends need to help each other out. So sister, I would love if you take a screenshot of this episode, put it out there on social media and tag me at Katie Bulmer Life because I would love to thank you, give you a virtual hug and make this friendship official. You sharing it with your friends are the reason this podcast is growing. You are the people who are helping it and I'm so freaking thankful for you. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. I hope that you gain some truth for your 20s. Hey, my name is Hannah Boomer. Thanks for listening to my mom's podcast. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) And our work here is done.